Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right, let's get in the word. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So do me a favor, go to Ecclesiastes, back in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. As you guys turn there, let, let me just kind of pastor the room real quick and um, solicit your prayers. Many of you have been watching the news and seeing what's going on around the world. And um, as believers, I don't think we're called to be tone deaf. I don't think we're called to just go on in life as though that's something that ha- that's happening in another part of the world. Um, but I think anytime we see war and violence and um, I don't know, just bullying. I think it's important for us as believers to pray um, as much as we can. I was talking to somebody between services and they were talking about how anxious they were uh, just watching the news. And likewise, my, my wife said that she thinks I'm probably, and my son said it, that I'm too consumed with, uh, with the news and what's going on in Ukraine. Um, but last night, like in the middle, well, before I went to bed, I was watching CNN and I found myself like falling asleep listening to CNN. And, you know, you fall asleep listening to bombs dropping in chaos. Um, it has a way of, of, of hurting and hindering your emotions. And so I, in the middle of the night, I woke up. I had, I mean, one of the worst dreams of violence and, and, um, and, and war. And so I, I, if y'all can give me a handheld, I, am I just going in and out? Can y'all hear me? I'm good. All right. Um, but, yeah, I think we have an obligation to pray. So let's make sure that we are we're committing time to pray for what's going on uh, in Ukraine and what's going on over in Russia. All right, let's dig in. We're in verse four, chapter four, verse four. I'm good. I don't need a handheld. I'm good. I'm good. All right. It says this. I saw that all labor and skillful work is due to one person's jealousy of another. I'm reading from the CSB. This, too, is futile and a pursuit after the wind. Verse five, the fool folds his arms and consumes his own flesh. Better one handful of rest than two handfuls of effort in a pursuit of the wind. Which pick me up in the middle of verse eight. Though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are not, watch this word, content with riches. Who am I struggling for? I'd love to preach from the topic entitled, the peace found in contentment. Peace that's found in contentment. Look at your neighbor and just say, there's some peace in contentment. There is certainly peace in contentment. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, we are, I think, I think I can speak on behalf of the room when I say many of us have lacked contentment in some area. There have been areas that we wanted more. There's been areas that we expected more. And because we've been lusting after this next thing that you're doing, many of us have lacked faithfulness and diligence over the thing that we're supposed to be doing now. Thing that you've put on our plate, the season that we're in, the job that you've assigned us to, the family that we're in, the relationships that we're connected to. And so, Father, would you give us balance today? Would you help us to understand your word? Thank you for the thank you for your word. Don't take, I don't take it lightly that I get to open your word and talk. But Lord, we pray that you would we would hear from you. That, that we that we wouldn't be gathered from my thoughts and my opinion, but that we would be gathered to hear from you. So speak to us, transform our lives, open our eyes, change our hearts, so that we can honor you in all that we do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
peace found in contentment. The opposite of contentment is discontentment. That's no surprise. But what did surprise me earlier this week was when I began to look up the definition of discontentment. If you'll you'll allow me, I'd love to kind of start our sermon today with three different definitions because I just couldn't find a, a good consensus on one definition that captured what this idea of discontentment is. So Webster defined it as a lack of satisfaction with one's possession, status, and situation. Dictionary.com says it's the restless desire craving for someone or for something one does not have. Freedictionary.com describes it as unhappiness caused by the failure of one's hopes, desires, and expectation. At the core of all three of these definitions, it really can boil down to this. Discontentment is when we are not satisfied with what God gave us and how God made us. If you're taking notes, start early. Take this one right down. Discontentment means we are not satisfied with what God gave us and how God has made us. And sure, at some level, discontentment might just be because you are competitive and because you're competitive, sometimes that spills over to toxic, uh, toxic areas and sometimes it's unhealthy for you. And so your competitive edge causes you to always run after more and more and more. But I really think that the culture in which we live, live in, I think most of our discontentment is tied to the fact that we're running after what we see on social media. Y'all know it's true. We look at social media and we see and we have an overexposure into the lives of people. And what it does is it causes us to want to be like them. But here's the problem with looking at social media and then not being content with what God made you. You do realize that the person that took a selfie probably took 30 selfies, picked one. Y'all know we do it. And then after you pick the one that really looked like the rest of the other pictures that you have, y'all know we're going to put it through three different filters and three different apps. And what we do is we look at the perfected, filtered life of somebody else. And then we looked at our spotty lives and then we begin to lack contentment. But the reality is you can't, you can't try to pursue something that somebody else has based on a filter. You ain't always that cute. You, you don't always look that nice. Your skin ain't always that popping. Your, your hair ain't always that nice. The vacation was not that beautiful. But what we do is we look at that and we be like, that's what I want. But in reality, they've probably used a filter. So really what you're looking at is not a perfect life. You're looking at a little bit of saturation, a little bit of contrast. And we pull down the, 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 the what is that, the, the black uh, point, whatever that is. We pulled that down just a little bit to get it. That's what we're looking at. And we're striving and we're trying to be like everybody else. And I know I'm preaching to somebody in this room. Okay, maybe I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I'll tell you this. It's the great philosopher and theologian Usher that said, I'm going to give you my confession. So here's my confession to you this morning. I struggle with contentment. There are sometimes I'm looking at the lives of others and I'm looking at the ministry of others. I know I'm putting myself on blast, but I know I'm not the only one that sees something and says, oh, God, I want that. And reality is God is like, but you know what I gave you? You know what I've put in you? Contentment is what we need. Anybody else like me, you struggle with contentment in a particular area of life. Oh, can you put your hands up high so I don't feel alone? That's everybody. Those of you who don't have your hands up, you're a liar. You know. All of us in this room struggle with contentment. When you get home, you need to listen to confessions. It helped me. 
I'm telling you, we all struggle on some level with contentment in some particular area of life. But Psalm 139 says it best. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, so that my soul knows it well. I am fe- God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He didn't make a mistake when he declined that position. He didn't make a mistake when he said no to that relationship. And many of us are striving and we're striving and we're trying to be somebody else and we're trying to live somebody else's life and God is like discontentment. You need to find contentment in me. And so Solomon is going to give us good words today. I think he's going to give us good counsel. It's really practical. That's one of the things I love about not just the book of Proverbs, but the book of Ecclesiastes. It's just it's practical. Sometimes it seems disjointed, like it doesn't, you know, it just witty sayings, but it is practical, God-inspired sayings. So Solomon is the writer of this book. And in chapter four, he does some amazing things. Now, there's a couple of things that you need to understand about our writer today. Number one, he's rich. Somebody say he's rich. He's famous. Somebody say he's famous. And he is full of wisdom. Somebody say full of wisdom. That makes him the perfect candidate to write about contentment. Why? Because when I say he's rich, many of us lack contentment because we want more material possessions. And the person that has more material possessions than anybody in this room says it won't fulfill you. Okay, you don't think he's rich. Let me show you how rich he is. Second Chronicles chapter nine. Here's what it says. Every year, King Solomon received over 25 tons of gold. In addition to the taxes paid by traders and merchants, the king of Arabia, the governors, and uh, the Israelite districts brought to him silver and gold. Solomon made 200 large shields. Each was covered with about 15 pounds of beaten gold. He made 300 small shields, each covered with about eight pounds of beaten gold. It says in verse 17, the king also had a large throne made. Part of it was covered with ivory. The rest of it was covered with pure gold. Six steps led up to the throne and there was a foot, uh, the footstool attached to it covered with gold. Twelve figures of lions were on the, ste- on the steps, one uh, opposite of each other. No throne. Listen to this had ever existed in the kingdom like it. Do you know how much this dude secured the bag? And so what happens is, what happens is we look at Solomon and we just like, oh yeah, he was rich and we run over it. But do you know how rich he was? His wealth was unmatched. I was reading Forbes and I was looking at the wealthiest people in the world. You know, Jay-Z's net worth is $1.4 billion. Kanye's net worth is $6.6 billion. Lord help our brother Kanye. Jeff Bezos worth 178, listen, Ashton, billion dollars. Uh, if y'all are, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Mansa Musa. 400 billion dollars. But here's the crazy thing. If King Solomon was alive right now, it is suggested that his net worth won't be in the millions. His net worth won't be in the billions, but 2.1 trillion dollars is what he's worth. And so the richest person to ever live just said all of the wealth in the world is not what makes you content. Because let me tell you something about contentment. Contentment doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. And so if you are looking for things and possession and bank accounts and money and jobs and titles and position to make you fulfilled, here's what uh, Solomon will say. You're a fool. he'll, he'll, He'll literally say you are being unfulfilled. It is vanity on top of vanity. In fact, there's a phrase that he uses in verse four that I want you to pay attention to. Verse four says, I saw that all the labor, that's work, and skillful work 
is due to one person's jealousy, that's a lack of contentment, with another. Watch this phrase. This too is futile and a pursuit of the wind. I love the way the NIV version says it. It doesn't say a pursuit of the wind. The NIV version will say it differently. It says a chasing after the wind. This is a phrase that Solomon loved to use. He uses it here in verse four. He's going to use it again in verse six. And if you read through all 12 chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes, he uses it seven times a chasing after the wind, a chasing after the wind. This, I, this chasing after the wind describes a meaningless pursuit of something that will never satisfy. Do you understand that? What he is saying is you're exerting energy. You are beating the air and you are chasing after something that you actually never could attain. What a fool. What a fool that we what fools we are that we would chase after trying to find contentment in material possessions when Solomon is like that ain't going to fulfill you. It's a chasing after the wind in verse four. He is saying we are envying what others have. He uses the word we are jealous of what they have. And so we look on Instagram and we be like, I want that. And we look in the lives of people and we be like, I don't want that. By the way, you're looking at it, but you don't know what happens behind closed doors. And we are pursuing and we're pursuing and we're pursuing. And he's like, it's not attainable. You're chasing the wind. It's meaningless. It's, it's futile. And the problem with chasing the wind is if you're chasing the wind now with the little you have, you will always chase the wind, even when you get more. If we could be honest in here, that's many of our lives. But I think that we should work this language into our, our psyche. We should work this into our mind. Every time we feel ourselves being lacking, lacking contentment, we should say, oh, I'm chasing the wind. This idea of chasing the wind is a dangerous thing. You can't catch the wind. You know, Jesus picks this up when he's talking to Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, the Bible says Nicodemus came to him at night. And he's talking to him and Jesus begins to talk to him about the wind. But now Jesus uses it differently. I'll just keep it in context. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, but he says something so important about the wind. Here's what Jesus says. The wind blows where it pleases. You can hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it is going. Did you hear Jesus? You cannot tell where the wind comes from and you cannot tell where it's going. Both Jesus and Solomon is saying you're foolish if you're chasing something that is unattainable. Would you just look at your neighbor and just say, stop chasing the wind. Come on, look back at them and be like, don't be offended. I just need you to stop chasing the wind. Many of us live our lives in this thing I would call the land of Ur, E-R. What we're doing is we're looking at other people and we're like, ah, oh, like, I want that. I want that. But even if you got it, you still understand that there is still somebody smarter than you. Somebody prettier than you, except you, Ty. There's somebody, there, there is somebody taller than you. There is somebody that has more Instagram followers than you. I don't care if you click a button and you get 100,000 followers today, there's still somebody that has more followers than you. And so what happens is when we're chasing after the wind and we're running and we're running and we're running and we don't attain, it always leads to despair. I can't attain it. I'm trying to get it and we feel unfulfilled, but I think the opposite is true as well, Tasha. I don't think it only leads to despair, but if we swing the pendulum too far the other way, it can lead to pride. What do I mean? There is always somebody poorer than you. There was always somebody that has lesser than you. 
There is always somebody that is slower than you. And so if you're on one side of the fence, you'll go, I want that and I want to attain that, but you can't attain it. And so it leads to despair. But if you go on the other side, you're like, I- I've attained that. Now I'm looking down on everybody else and it leads to pride. And here's what I can tell you. Both of them are destructive. Both of them are a path that will not be helpful for you. Discontentment robs us of joy and it makes you tired. It makes you emotionally exhausted. You shouldn't have to be up at night trying to chase after something. This devil's a lie. Get you some sleep. Help us, Lord, to be satisfied in the things that you gave us. Help us to be satisfied and content in what. Can y'all pray that with me? Lord, help us to be satisfied. Help us, help us to value the things that, and when we see when we're chasing after something else, God is like, yo, but there's so many other people in that season I need you to save and, and, and share the gospel with, and I can do a work through you in that season, on that job, in that relationship, in that family, but you're thinking about something else. Stop lusting and be faithful. You know, me and Ty went to Rome a couple years ago, and, and while we were in Rome, you know, Ty was there for the pizza and pasta, and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get to to Paul's prison. You know, Paul was in pit prison in Rome and they, they have it marked off and they know exactly where the prison is. So Ty and I went, I made you sound so unspiritual. I'm sorry, babe. She said I was there for the pizza and pasta. She called her, her friend and she told her friend, yeah, we're on our way to Paul's room. So she's like, oh, y'all, y'all went for like spiritual stuff? So we, get to the, so we get to the prison, and they, they, they make it tourist-friendly now. So now there's steps to get down. You have to, it's like a winding step to get down into Paul's prison. Anybody ever been to Paul's prison in Rome? No? Okay. So you should take a trip there. <laughs> Y'all went for the pizza and pasta. I, I got it. So I, I, I finally take the trip down. Ty goes with me. We, we do the, you know, the winding steps to get down to Paul's prison. And they put steps in later for tourism, but the original jail wouldn't have been steps. They would have lowered him into the ground. And while he's in the ground, let me tell you what I felt when I was there. It was cold. It was damp. It was dark because there were no lights besides lights coming from up top. It just, it felt, it just didn't feel right. And while I was there, more spiritual, I pulled out of my book bag, my Bible. And here's here's what I found. And Paul, so Paul has prison epistles. And one of the prison epistles that he wrote from that jail is the book of Philippians. Can I read to you what he says while he's in a cold jail in, in, in Rome, writing to the saints at Philippi? This is what he says. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I I know both how to be, how to do with little and how to do with a lot. And in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Here's the secret. He says, whether I'm fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of us got a t-shirt, a, a, a mug, a bracelet that has this verse on it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know Paul is saying I can be content? Paul is saying this is what I can do. If I got an abundance, I can do that. But if I'm low and I don't have anything, I'm still content and I can do that. That's the kind of contentment I'm talking about. And so Paul is basically saying what Solomon is saying in our text. Stop chasing the wind. Look at somebody else. I feel like Umar Johnson. I didn't lose my place. Tell somebody, stop chasing the wind. 
Stop running after stuff. I'm talking to somebody right now that, you know, maybe you've applied to a job and you, you don't want the job because you necessarily feel like you're qualified or it's your purpose. You want the job just because you're unsatisfied with where you are. I wonder, I'm not saying you are, but I wonder if we're chasing the wind. I'm talking to somebody right now that's been scrolling on IG, a single person that's been scrolling on IG and you've been coveting, you've been looking at marriages and you've been looking at other people get married and you're so, you're so frustrated that you're not married. What, what does it look like to be content even in the season of singleness? Because how many know marriage ain't always the goal? Sometimes you can just be single and love Jesus. I have every single person here going, uh-uh, Pastor B. I'm not receiving that. I'm not writing that in my journal. I'm not repeating it. I'm mad at you. But I'm talking to somebody that maybe it's money. Maybe you're searching and you're running after more and more and you'll do any and everything to get more money. I wonder if we are chasing after the wind. And so what Paul does is Paul gives us a good comparison and contrast in this chapter. Because in verse four, he's talking about work. And he's talking about labor. These are the words he uses, labor and skillful work. Another translation might say toil. But watch the balance, because what, what happens is we automatically assume Pastor B's talking about contentment. That means whatever season I'm in is the season I'm supposed to be in for the rest of my life. But watch what he does here, verse 5. Y'all with me? The fool folds his arms and consumes his own flesh. In verse 4, he uses words like skillful work and labor. In verse 5, he says, don't fold your arms, pointing us to laziness. So in other words, contentment doesn't equal lazy. Does that make sense? I thought that was going to go over differently. Contentment does not equal lazy. So when I'm talking about contentment, I'm not saying, so the singles that were in here, y'all going, I'm not saying that, because if I say that, then that's my, you know, that's what God's going to give me. But in the reality, I'm not simply saying that you should be single and always want to be single. Girl, get your hair done. Go ahead and do it. Get your nails done. Bro, go ahead, put you some shea butter in the beard. Go ahead out. Yes, you can date, do all of those things. So I'm not saying don't do anything. What Paul is not saying is don't do anything. He's saying, look, don't chase the wind, but don't sit at home and fold your arms either. I love the way the, the, the NET Bible says it. Here's what that verse says. The fool folds his hand and does no work, so he has nothing to eat but his own flesh. Paul is showing us two extremes. He's like, there's somebody that's chasing and chasing and chasing and never attaining. But then there's somebody else that's home doing nothing. But the devil is a liar. Work is good. Work is godly. I know you don't like going to work. I know you don't like your boss. But listen, work is not a result of the fall. God told Adam to work before they fail. It is a part of God's creative order. It is how God gets his mission done on the earth. And so what a blessing it is to work. So, so, so Solomon is saying, look, don't chase the wind, but please, please, please don't be lazy either. This is not a sermon of do nothing. What we, there's a balance we need to strike. And here's the balance. I'm going to be content in what it is that you gave me while I pray and work toward whatever else it is that you want to add to my life. That's real contentment. Real contentment doesn't say I'm going to sit home, do nothing, and just wait for my next season, my next season come. No, your next season's here. It's, here. it's here right now. Contentment is satisfaction in what God has given me while I work for what he wants to add for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Both lazy and chasing the wind is foolish. 
easy to hear sermons on this and say, you know what, Pastor B, I'm not going to do anything. But I believe that God wants us to find that balance today. Speaking of balance, there's more of a balance in here. Verse four, verse five says the fool folds his arm and he eats his own flesh. Verse six says better is one handful of rest than two handfuls with effort. Here's that word and a pursuit after the wind. Did you hear what Solomon just said? It's better that you go through life with one handful of rest than go through life with two handfuls of work and no rest. Because what happens is when we have two handfuls of rest, we actually wish we had a third hand. Because when you want, when you're chasing after the wind, you always want more. That's the problem with discontentment. That you'll never be satisfied with what, with what you have. There's never enough money in your bank account for you. There, there's, there's never enough uh, title and position. There's never enough followers that you can have. And so we're always chasing and chasing. And, and Solomon's like, here's some balance. Have one hand of rest. There's a balance that you must strike in here. And that's what I've tried to pray about this week as I was going through this book. I'm going, Lord, I don't want to preach it to where everybody stops chasing after the things that God has given them. No, chase, but rest with one hand instead of having two handfuls of work. There's a prayer that I'm pretty sure that nobody prays. I I, I think I know the the, the room pretty well. Go back a chapter. Go back to Proverbs. In Proverbs 30, there's a guy by the name of Agur. He's only mentioned in Proverbs 30. Ladies, we run to Proverbs 31 too quick. (laughs) Proverbs 30 got some jewels in it. There's something so special about this prayer. And here's the part that we never pray. Here's what it says. It says two things. This is what Agur prays to the Lord. Two things I ask of you. Don't deny them from me before I die. Here's one. Keep falsehood and deceit away, uh, away far from me. And then here's the next one. Watch this. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Who's prayed that prayer? God, don't give me wealth. We don't we don't pray that. And then he says, feed me with the food that I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal and profane the name of my God. Watch contentment. This is the most content prayer that I've read in scripture. He said, God, please don't give me too much because if you give me too much, I'll have two handfuls instead of one handful of rest and I'll deny you. But God, don't give me too little either because then I'm going to be forced to steal and I'm going to defame your name. So put me somewhere in the middle. Do me like Jesus says, give me my daily bread. Give me just enough. Give me just what I need. I wish that that would be our prayer in this room, that we would pray, God, I don't just, if I'm going to forget you when I secure the bag, keep the bag. Give me what I need. Can anybody, anybody bold enough to pray those type of prayers? God, give me what I need. I, I, I don't want to defame your name, so don't give me less than I need. I also don't want to forget you, so don't give me more than I need. God, just give me what I need. Less is actually more when you're holding in one hand what God created you to hold. Less is actually more when you are holding in one hand with what God has created you to hold. I love this text here. It's better to go through life with one handful of rest than two handfuls of toil and anxiety. This, this rest, is, it, it, it shows the Old Testament shalom. Just that, that, that season of peace. And this is why I said lack of contentment is always makes you emotionally unstable. 
It, it makes you anxious. It doesn't give you peace. But I, I pray that Agar's prayer would be over us. Okay, there, there's a, one more question I want to end with. Let me go back to Ecclesiastes 4. There's, one, there's a question I want to end with that's found in the text. In verse number 8, it says, Though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. Here's the question that we all got to ask. Who am I struggling for? Can y'all put that up on the screen for me? Who am I struggling for? If you would ask yourself that question, I think that's the platform to which contentment is lost off of. Who are you toiling for? Who are you doing your work for? Who, who are you actually working four or five jobs for? If you're doing it for you, then you're selfish. If, if you're doing it to satisfy your parents, then you're a people pleaser. If, if we're doing it uh, because we're looking at the people that have more, then you're actually competing with your brother and sister. If you're doing it to floss, then you're prideful. Who are we doing it for? Who am I struggling for? Who am I working for? You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus shows us what perfect work looks like. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible tells me that Jesus shows us Jesus had one handful of rest. Because here's what he rested in, Father, not my will, but your will. In other words, Jesus perfectly completed the plan and the mission that God gave him to do. He went to a cross and redeemed all of us that have trusted in him. And so when you have content, when you have, go through life with contentment, you will understand what the gospel actually is saying, that Jesus actually died for my sin. There is such a, a connection between the cross and my contentment. And me being satisfied in God and me enjoying God forever and ever. Being content is a beautiful resting in the gospel. I'll end with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, if you're not content with what you have, you won't be content with twice as much. Chasing the wind. Sitting at home with our arms folded, eating our flesh. Going through life with two handfuls of toil and anxiety and work. When God is like, put a handful of rest. And in the end, other handful work. Balance. Somebody say balance. I want to pray for somebody today that hears this sermon and that you're either in one of these two areas. You're either in the area of chasing the wind or you're in the area of sitting home doing nothing. Just, you're, you're, over, you're overdoing this idea of being content. You're content at a fault that you're not pursuing what else God wants to do in your life. If that's you, nothing spooky, I just want to pray for us today. If you would raise your hand, if you would say, that's me. There's contentment issues. There, there's areas of my life that I just, I'm not, I haven't fully been satisfied with God. I've pursued things. I haven't prayed about them. I've been disgruntled in this season. I haven't loved God in this season. Low-key been mad at God in these seasons. I see those hands. Can y'all do me a favor? Those of you who, like we family, y'all, those of you who would say, man, I just want either contentment or I'm tired of just being lazy. Whatever the contentment issue is, do me a favor. Y'all just come down here so we can pray. Come on, y'all move quick. Y'all move quick. I want to get y'all out of here. It's a nice day outside. Come on, y'all spread all out. Come on down. Come on down. Worship team, y'all come on up. In fact, can you just go right into the song, Josh? Come on down. Look at this altar. People saying, I want to be content. I want to be satisfied. 
Let's sing a little bit of the song. If you can do a line for me. Come on, let's invite the spirit in here. Come on, y'all. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. It's what we long for. Let's do it again. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are Come on, y'all lift your hands, y'all. This is our prayer. Your glory, Lord. Come on, one more time. Y'all in the seats. Holy Spirit. pray for everybody that's on this altar right now those that were bold that would say I'm coming down because I I, I Lord I, I lack satisfaction in this season sometimes I've questioned if you're really good sometimes I question if you're really for me and I've, and, and I've at times coveted I've looked and I've wanted something else. Father, I know that's my prayer. I've wanted something that I saw somebody else have. But Father, better is one handful of rest. And so Father, would you give us that balance today? Help us learn to be satisfied. Help us learn to be satisfied in you. Help us to delight ourselves in you. I pray that you would put that fire back in this altar. I pray that you would put that love back in this altar. I pray that everybody that's on the altar would sense that burn again. That thing that drew us to you. That thing that would cause us to read your word. That thing that would cause us to submit to discipleship. That thing that would cause us to to run hard after you and share our faith with others about you. Father, we want to be satisfied. Can y'all just pray that on this altar? We want to be satisfied. Satisfied in you. Not discontent. Not disgruntled not angry, not lusting after something that you've never designed for us, but put us on purpose. Put us on mission. Put us back in your will. Father, we've stepped away and I love you because you allow us to confess it and you bring us on back. And you set us back on the place that we need to be. So Father, everybody that's come to this altar, may they walk back to their seats different than they came. We came dissatisfied but we're going back satisfied we came discontent but we're going back content because we understand and know that you love us wonderful are your works you have made us well and you've made us so well that after you finish you look back and said to tell us it is good you look back and said, it's, it's good work. I've, I've perfected this person. And so, Father, may we be satisfied in you. I pray for the emotions on this altar. The emotions that's tied to discontentment. The despair from chasing after the wind. 
the pride of getting something and then looking down on others. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. And I pray, oh God, that everybody on this altar would do great things for you. Whatever that is, whatever sphere that is, whatever work that is you've called them to, whatever ministry you've called them to, whatever purpose you've called them to, I pray open doors. I pray blessing on blessing on blessing. I pray for favor on this altar. But may we, may we be favored in you and, and have the contentment that you've called us to. So Father, I thank you for everybody on this altar. And I believe, oh God, that you're going to do a work on this altar because you love them and you've forgiven all of us. I'm on this altar today, Lord. Forgive us for discontentment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can y'all just lift up a praise to a God that loves us and accepts us back?